So we're, we're extremely excited about what God is doing uh, through Cypress Bible Church as we go local, we go short, we go long. Uh, all of this ultimately is about the Great Commission. We've been called to, right? We've been called to go in life-changing mission. But we, we have to come to an understanding for ourselves what is, what is the Great Commission that we're being called to? What is it that makes this commission great? There was a Barna poll not too long ago where they asked Christians, uh, do you know what the Great Commission is? Uh, 51% of those people said they did not know. 25% uh, said they kind of knew, but they were not really sure of the meaning. They couldn't really explain it. 6% were unsure of, of even what the question was. And only 17% could say, yes, we know what the Great Commission is and we can explain it. So that means there's over 82% of Christians who attend churches do not know what the Great Commission is. Uh, and, and we want to make sure that one, that we understand and know, uh, not simply the name Great Commission, uh, but what is the Great Commission? What makes the Great Commission great? And what is our role in the Great Commission? Another poll said that, that 95 percent of Christians have never won a soul to Christ. They've never had that opportunity of sharing the gospel and see somebody respond. Eighty-one percent of all Christians do not consider, are not consistently witnessing for Christ. Less than two percent are involved in the ministry of evangelism, uh, and seventy-one percent do not give towards the financial uh, commitment of the Great Commission. And, and so we've got some issues as a church that we need, we need to work through. Uh, there, there's so much more work to be done in the world. And so the, we start with an understanding of what the Great Commission is, uh, and we have to ask the question, well, how, how, are, we, how are we doing? Um, if you were to think of the Great Commission in terms of, of the Western church, sometimes we say, oh, things are, things are bad. The church is in, in decline. Um, but can I tell you that, did you all know that Satan is a liar? He's a deceiver, right? When you, when you look at this, this chart, you see something amazing that is happening around the world right now. Global Christianity is off the charts. It's growing and expanding at rates that we've never seen before in human history. So God is at work. He is at work, and he's doing amazing things. So don't think in, in any way that somehow the church is failing, because it is not. And, and in fact, when we think of one day when we stand in heaven, we talk about this idea of, of what's it going to be like to stand before the throne of God. What's going to be there? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Look at how, how the, the global church has changed. It used to be dominated by, by Western Christianity, and it's no longer the case. There are more Christians outside of the Western context than there are in now. And that's exactly what God's desire is. It's for the nations. It's for all people, every tribe, tongue, and nation, to hear the gospel, to proclaim and, and worship the Lord together in unity. And that, that's going to be what the church is like in the future. So we should celebrate this idea of, of the Great Commission, reaching out to the nations. If you were, if you were an investor, you, you tend to look at trends, you know, and we tend to think of Christianity as on the decline, but it's not on the decline. It is, it is right, it's spiking. 
This is the best time in human history to invest in the work of the Great Commission, the work that God is doing globally. So we can't listen to the lies of Satan and thinking that somehow the church is failing because it is not. It is, it is advancing. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission we're going to take from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, and we have to first come to the understanding that the Great Commission does not start with go. Right? We tend to say the Great Commission is go. And that's part of the Great Commission. It's a, it's a very crucial part of the Great Commission. Uh, but we'll miss the essence of what God is calling us to if we start with go. The Great Commission starts with Jesus Christ saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So the Great Commission starts with the authority of Jesus Christ. And we go then, therefore, in that authority that He has all of, and we make disciples of all nations. We baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we teach them to observe all the commandments that He has given to us. And He says at the end of this, He says, and I am with you always even to the end of the age. And so ultimately what makes the Great Commission great is that it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all done in the, in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we go, He's with us. So it's, it's not a matter of becoming a Christian who gets to a certain level that can participate in God's Great Commission. It's about humbling ourselves to a holy God who has all authority and simply just saying, God, can you use me? And His answer is always yes. It's His desire to use us, to glorify Himself, to bring His gospel message to the nations through us. So we start with this authority that Jesus has given us, and that is why we go. So the Great Commission is given to us by Jesus. And so we have to pay, pay close attention to it. It's the, the end of the Gospels, the beginning of Acts, and, and it's what God has called us to as His people, as His church. So all authority. John 17 kind of explains this authority a little bit. Uh, Jesus is speaking in John 17, 1. He says, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may be glorified, that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. There, there's a few interesting things in this passage. Is, and, and when you think about the authority of Jesus Christ, and sometimes we think that some, somehow after the cross, after the resurrection, that Jesus was given authority by the Father, right? And, and there's some truth in that. But Jesus has always had authority. 
He's always had all authority. When, when we think about Old Testament saints, when we're reading through the, the Old Testament, you ask the question, well, how were, how were they saved? Jesus had not yet died on the cross. He's not yet risen. Well, the Old Testament saints were saved in the same way that we are saved. We are saved by God's grace through faith. Period. The Old Testament saints were putting their faith in God and the one who was to come, the Messiah. They were looking forward to the death, burial, and resurrection. We look back at it and are saved by God's grace through faith because we're putting our faith in what God has revealed to us. And so Jesus has always had this authority to save. The cross makes this possible. His resurrection makes it possible. But we're always saved by knowing who God is and putting our faith and trust in Him. But this passage also says something very interesting in the fact that Jesus says He has completed the work that God has sent him to do. Now John 17, if you look in in the order, the chronology of what's going on in this passage, this is before the cross. So what is it that Jesus has completed? Certainly it's looking to the, the cross, to the death, to the burial, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Jesus saying here he's completed an, another work that is essential to God's missional work in the world. What did he do? He made disciples. He had invested his life in ministry into a few that would carry this good news to the nations. And so Jesus put great value in this idea of making disciples. Discipleship is important. Salvation is made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? But the world doesn't know it. So, so we have to be carriers of this message. How will the world know, right? Unless somebody is sent. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on Him who they not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about Him? How can they hear without a preacher? Aha, I'm not a preacher, so therefore I don't have to go, right? Preacher is just another word for proclamation, one who proclaims. We are all called to proclaim this good news. And how will they know unless somebody is sent? So we are commissioned to go. Where, well, where do we go? Are we all called to, to go to, to the nations, to, to go overseas and be long-term missionaries? Uh, maybe. Maybe not. But you're called to go. So where, where do we then go? Well, I think Acts makes this very clear when, when, when he gives kind of another version of the Great Commission in Acts 1.8. He says, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. So first and foremost, if we have received the Holy Spirit, if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are indwelt with His Spirit, and if we have that Spirit within us, we are commissioned to take the message to the nations. Where do we start? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So all of us need to start in our own Jerusalem. Start with our family, our friends, our co-workers, the people that we interact with on a regular basis. But in doing that, you, you may very clearly hear a call and God telling you, go to the nations. Go to this place where, 
or people do not know my name. But that is ultimately up to God. We, we surrender that to Him, and we pray that God would make that very evident and very clear to us. But it doesn't, it doesn't free us from the commitment. It's something we are still called to. We are called to go. Now, the emphasis of this passage is, though, we, is we go, right, and we declare the good news of the gospel, and we make disciples. Well, who, who do we make disciples of? We make disciples of those who respond to the good news. We don't control that response. All we do is share, and as people respond to the gospel, we disciple them. We disciple them. So the Great Commission is interesting because Jesus is telling His disciples to make disciples. And so what do disciples do? Disciples make disciples. So the question I would ask you this morning is, one, have you ever been discipled? Now, most people in the church would say, of course I've been discipled. Uh, and even when you talk to church leaders sometimes, you say, have you ever been discipled? And well, people say, well, there was this one book that really spoke to me, and I really like this author, and I really got a lot out of this pastor because he was a really great leader. And uh, Yeah, but who discipled you? Who, who invested in your life? And, and a lot of times, even leaders in the church have never really been discipled by somebody. And our congregations sometimes have not really been discipled. Now, you've, you've had access to knowledge, and you've had access to learning, and you've had access to, to, to all kinds of resources, but the question is, is, could you make a disciple? Because part of discipleship is being trained how to make a disciple. It's not just gaining knowledge, but it's saying, hey, if I shared the gospel with somebody and they responded, I would know exactly what to do because somebody showed me how. And that's largely what we are trying to do as a church is we want to make sure that everybody is equipped for the Great Commission. Everybody could confidently say, I could go where God has called me and I could share the good news with those in my area of influence. I could share the good news with those overseas. I could share the good news wherever God you send me. And I could make disciples of those who respond to your good news. And so I would challenge you this morning, if, if you've not been discipled in that way to where you would be confident to say, I could go, I could share the gospel, I could make disciples of those who respond, then, then that's a challenge to the church that we need to first submit ourselves to become disciples so that we can make disciples. J.P. Moreland in his book, Loving God with all your mind says this. He says, The church has pri is primarily a hospital to soothe empty selves instead of a war college, to mobilize and train an army of men and women, uh, to occupy territory and advance the kingdom until the king returns. Of course, the church should actually be hospital and war college, and in fact, much, much more. But there is no question that we have, are not succeeding in mobilizing such an army and training them with intellectual and spiritual life and to destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. A church incompetent cannot effectively be the church militant. And make no mistake, like it or not, we are at war for the hearts, minds, and destinies of men and women around the world. We want to be a hospital. We want to, to soothe hurting 
and people that are in need of hope, but we also want to mobilize ourselves to become active in God's mission. The church militant. It sounds intimidating, or or maybe it sounds a little uh, contrary to what God has called us to, but we are advancing, right? Our enemy is not humanity. Our enemy is the evil one. Our enemy is the demonic forces that seek to distort and destroy the glory of God. And the Bible already tells us we win, right? We win. But he will tell you, you cannot be used of God. Certainly not you, right? Who, who do you think you are? Again, he's a liar. So we want to, as a church, make sure that we have that, that confidence. That we have the competence and the skills necessary to advance his kingdom. That we grow in a, in a commitment and conviction to, that this is what God has called us to as a church and we can do no other. So what do disciples do? Disciples make disciples. This is, this is the model. Discipleship is about multiplication. It's not about adding to the kingdom. It's about multiplying the kingdom. Timothy, right? Paul passes on to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, I want you to take what I've given to you and I want you to pass it on to other faithful men who will pass on to others also. And this is the pattern that we see throughout Acts of, of Paul investing in a few men. And this is exactly what we see Jesus do, and this is the, the exact thing that we see as the, the book of Acts begins, is we see this advancement through the gospel, through leaders pouring into leaders, training other leaders to be leaders, and multiplying across this region. And the gospel is being saturated, and disciples are being made and multiplied, and churches are, are being planted and multiplying across this whole region. And so they're, they're pursuing this vision of multiplication that God has given us, This is how God is going to fill the whole earth. So when you think about a position like like mine, right? If if I were were to reapply today and and I could tell the church, hey, I can guarantee you I'm gifted as an evangelist and I could bring in a soul every single day into the kingdom, right? 365. If I could bring 365 souls, we saw 365 baptisms every year, the church would celebrate and say, wow, praise God, that's amazing. But it's not enough. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do the job. It wouldn't complete the task. So it's really not about a gifted individual who could reach that many souls. Because at the end of the day, we're going we're to miss the, the larger population. But if I came to the church and said, hey, I could make two disciples every year, right? If you had two individuals hiring for a job, one says I'm going to bring in 365, and the other one says I could make two disciples, right? Who would you hire? You'd probably be tempted to go with the 365 guy, right? He's, he's amazing. This guy's going to make two disciples? How, how is that going to affect the kingdom? Well, if we, if we understand what multiplication looks like, we begin to understand really quickly that multiplication is far more powerful than addition. At the end of 33 years, we could be a church of 12,000 plus. Wow, wouldn't that be grand? But while we built ourselves a nice little kingdom here on earth, the rest of the world is perishing. 
And we are not called to build our own kingdom. We are called to build His kingdom. And if we submitted to this idea of discipleship being multiplication, at the end of 33 years, multiplying out two by two by two by two by two by two, we could reach 8 million or 8 billion 589 million people. So what are, we, what are we committed to? Are we committed to adding to the kingdom or multiplying the kingdom? And that's what makes discipleship so crucial to the Great Commission. We go in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and we are commissioned, go and make disciples. It's essential to God's kingdom vision. This is how the kingdom is going to advance. This is how we are going to say one day the whole world has heard. The whole world is filled with the glory of God. Is everybody going to respond to the gospel? The, the scripture makes it very clear no, not everybody's going to respond. But they've had an opportunity to hear, they've had an opportunity to know the love of God through Jesus Christ, who came into the world, died for the sins of the world, and is risen, that we may know that there is life eternal in him. So they can understand and know that through faith they as well can be saved. This is, this is God's plan. This is His, what He's laid before us. This is the action plans for the, for the church. And so as we go into the world, we go to the nations. Now we are very blessed in Houston, Texas, right? We are blessed because the nations have come to us. We go and we baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we take this message, though, to the nations. The nations have come to us, but the nations are still out there that have still have not. There's people all over the world that have not yet heard, even heard the name of Jesus, let alone the good news about Jesus. We have people coming into this city every day who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. The, the nations have come to us. But that doesn't mean we stop sending people globally, right? Because again, this is, this is the command of Jesus. This is what He has called us to as a people. So we can't neglect His great commission. An interesting thing about going to the nations about baptizing, right, is we are called in this great commission to be baptizers. He tells us to go. He tells us to go to the nations and He tells us to baptize. So we as a church are called to be baptizers. It's not calling us to be baptized. It's calling us to be baptizers. And so there's again an action in this. And as we baptize them, what do we do then with these new converts? We teach them to obey. We teach them what it is to follow Jesus Christ, to follow His example that He's given to us. And if the, if the disciples are being obedient to the Great Commission, they're being commissioned by Jesus, their Lord, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them to obey, then what is it that they are to obey? All that Jesus has commanded. What, is, what does Jesus command us? To love one another, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, and strength, Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Share the good news to the world. And if you're going to be obedient to my calling, 
then you need to, as disciples, you need to go and make disciples. And the process continues over and over and over and over until there is no place left. Now there's something interesting at this be- the beginning of this commission. In, in Matthew 28, it starts at 16 when Jesus starts this, this gospel, uh, Great Commission Proclamation. Uh, he says, even the, or the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and he, and he goes on to this. But this is a very interesting passage, and you can kind of read over it really quick and just kind of just do kind of a double take, like, wait a minute, some worshipped, but some doubted. These are the 11. Like, how could they doubt at this point? Jesus is, is died on the cross. He's riven, risen from the grave. And, and yet some have doubted. And so as we this morning think about this great commission, we have two responses. We can worship or we can doubt. And I think this is the way it's always been. We can bow down at the feet of our Lord and Savior and worship Him in praise for all that He has accomplished in His death, burial, and resurrection. We can worship Him with our lives. We can present our bodies as living sacrifices. That is pleasing to God. Or we can live in doubt and say, God, I know others are called to this, but not me. I know this is Your desire, but... I'm, 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 I'm afraid. I'm not equipped enough. I don't, and, and just fill in the blank of, of, of excuses. So our goal is, one, let's make sure that we have a heart of worship. Are we presenting ourselves to God and say, God, I, I might not be the mightiest. I might not be the wisest. I might not have the skills. I might not, but I am willing. I want to worship you with my life. Those are our two opportunities this morning to live in, in, a, in an attitude of worship or doubt. But the Great Commission is clear. We as a church are called to go. We are called to make disciples of the nations. We are called to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are called to teach them to obey. We do that in His authority and He is with us. So in, in response to this message this morning, our challenge for 2020 is to go. To go and, and begin to pray. Pray for, the, pray for the nations. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your family members. And as, as God begins to make very clear the people that He's put in your area of influence, what do we do with them? We share the good news of the Gospel. Jesus has come. He has died on the cross and He has risen from the grave. And all who put their faith in Him will be saved. And what do we do with those people? We gather together and we make disciples. And we teach them how to make disciples. And we teach them how to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples until the whole world has known, the whole world hears the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord.
The other opportunity we have this morning is to give towards the work of the advancement of the Great Commission. And so this morning, we are going to uh, have a time this morning where we are going to take pledges. Uh, We're making commitments as a church that we are going to invest in the nations. We are going to invest in this Great Commission globally by supporting local workers, by supporting global workers, by supporting our short-term missions. And so these mission pledge pledges, I hope you've had an opportunity to fill them out. If not, uh, as the worship team comes up, you'll have an opportunity to kind of fill that out. And what we're going to do as, the, as the, the worship team comes, and we're just, we're just going to lay these um, here on the stage uh, just as an act of worship this morning. Present uh, this to God. It's between you and God, and make sure you tear that off because we won't see names. We won't know what your pledge is. Um, that, that is completely between you and God. But let it, be, let it be an act of worship this morning. Let's remove all doubt and fear from our minds in saying that we are going to invest in God's kingdom by being a part of what he's doing through Cypress Bible Church by giving. But we are also going to go. We are going to pray for the lost. We are going to share the good news of the gospel. And we are going to gather them together because we are going to be a church on mission. And it's going to be great because we do it in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and he is with us, and he will get all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Amen?